Hi, this is Sarah from Wilpf, and you're listening to Sejura. Sejura means pause, a breath that we take when one phrase ends and another begins. Break away from the world for a moment and discover with us a future of peace and feminism through poetry. And for the first part, we hand the floor to Angela Ramos. <sighs> to the women who defeated Operation Condor. Part 3. The Past. Prologue. United States-backed campaign of political repression and terror, formally implemented in November of 1975 by the right-wing dictatorships of South America. 50,000 gone. 30,000 missing. We felt their footsteps on our throats. And they left the mark in the sand, in our rivers, in the trails to the jungle. In the aftermath of the firing squads, the city walls were dripping. Ever since, our cities are humid, and the air is dense. Bolivia. Domitila's child was poisoned after the explosion. Her belly was empty, and she mourned him while her country was in flames. Domitila's empty womb and empty insides became ground for liberation. Men were the knife, women were the flesh, bodies in the shape of battlefield, hands always tied, blindfolded. Chile, Valentina, Gina, and Elizabeth had their cells next to each other. The mountain of Altar has stored their screams within the rock. Calluses from running, hope was the bread. It was women who grew the wheat. Women made air out of nooses and they sang. They carried the songs in their lungs. Uruguay. Luz was guided by a soldier who blindfolded her. Bare naked. 81. 82. 95. What was left of her guided her out. They taught their children how to breathe in spite of the men who build countries out of guns, holes in the map of shattered earth. Paraguay. Julia was playing outside when the colonel told her she would never return home. The men whose shoulders were uneven rubbed their camouflage against her skin. Julia is alive loud. Spirits still look for the farms they left behind, or they run towards the north to the cages of those whose feet are still pressed against their chests, and they are told to go back. Home. But home is dust the wind blew away. Home is what's left of a hand grenade. Home is a wish spelled with memories, and after all, this land always belonged to someone else. Our children can stop crying, and there are bullets tucked in envelopes. Your sons are good for the war, and your daughters would make good wives. In this language, justice is a blindfolded woman. In mine, we look for the women who were blindfolded, never seen again Argentina. The mothers gather in Plaza de Mayo. White scarves and white hair. Children, taken an effort to fill their absence. Are they alive? Bring them alive. Bring them alive. Bring them alive. And it was the same women who used their bodies as shields for a country who would never love them back. Brazil, 
Number of deaths unknown. Peru. Number of deaths unknown. Ecuador. Number of deaths unknown. Unknown. Just as the names of the women whose tired hands never stopped pushing for a wrecked country to be whole again. Women that turned the darkness into dreams for their daughters to see beyond what was left of the crossfire. To keep joy somewhere in their hips. Turn twilight into air for all we have are birds. Condors whose feathers are made of the ashes of the women whose bones make the soil more fertile, and they watch over us in the verge of their own extinction, persevering. In the rightful history, such women were never defeated. They are soaring over the Andes, begging to be remembered. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Sejura. The poem you just heard was from Angela Ramos, and it is called The Past. Discussing with me the topics of the poem is today's guest, Osvaldo Montoya, a network associate for Global Secretariat of Men Engage, working on accountable practices for engaging men in gender justice. He is one of the founders of Men's Group Against Violence in Nicaragua, which was the first men's group of its kind in Central America. Hi, Osvaldo, and welcome. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to have you here with us. So many crimes committed in the framework of Operation Condor and by national dictatorships supported by the U.S. were never judged. Do you think that it's important that countries start legal procedures in this regard? Or is it more important that society as a whole comes to terms with what has happened? How can peace and civic movements support this process? Thank you for the question, Sarah. It's a very tough question, and I think we need both because they are interrelated. Because in order to come to terms with what happened, we need the truth of what happened. And we cannot repress, we cannot forget, and then pretend that we can move on. That's not how human conscious work, not at the individual level, not we as a collective. And that's why I think we have to really face what happened. I mean, we can pretend to do that, but we will be lying to ourselves. And we are condemned to repeat the history, to reenact the abuses again and again, like trying to find in a solution. And I think that's what's happening in many places, like in my country, Nicaragua. We never really come to terms with what happened in the 70s, in the 80s, and now we are again back with a new version of the same abuse of power from the state and in society. So, and also I think from a human rights perspective, I think victims have the rights to know the truth. They have the right to be acknowledged their suffering and to receive some, some form of reparation and to hold those responsible for the crimes accountable. So I think we need both. And, and it's not just a matter of uh, punishing people. It's a matter of justice, of truth, and of collective healing. Thank you for touching on these points and on the importance of the need for a transitional period, for a dialogue, a conversation among different members of society. I was wondering also, from your perspective, how can men amplify women's voices in history? How can men support women not as victims, but as equal agents of change? 
And how could that serve men as well and not only women? Well, I think, first of all, listen to women's voices and history is the first step for us as men. Because we, we are conditioned to consider men's voices as the authority, as the real voices for, for history and for everything. And if we only follow the official stories told by privileged men, we miss women's accounts, women's narratives. So I think that's the first step in order to amplify women's voices. We need to proactively look for those voices, for those accounts, for those narratives. That requires undoing many of our conditioning. And by doing that, we will learn by really accessing women's own uh, histories and voices. We will learn that women have been agents of change all along the way. Their portrayal as mere victims needing protection, usually male protection, is part of the androcentric view of history. But in reality, women have been fighters, have been warriors, have been rebellious, have been leaders. They have not only been followers. Usually in, in less, and I might be wrong, in less quantity than men because of the structural barriers for women to, to take a public role. But so important, I think it's in the history need to be retold. And this recognition really threatened men's monopoly and privilege over public matters. I think we are threatened by that. It threatens our patriarchal identities. But you are asking me if there is a way this might serve men. I think this also serves men if we want to get rid of these patriarchal identities. As long as we want to continue our attach to this identity, yes, these stories of women as leaders threaten us. So it can serve us to be free from the constraints of patriarchal paradigm. Thank you, Osvaldo. I am going to pick on something you just mentioned regarding women as agents of change, because that resonates with my next question. Women were once again at the forefront of protests in Nicaragua in 2018 and also in Colombia in 2021. So these are two occasions in which the state used extreme violence against the people who were protesting. Could you explain a little bit to us which was the role of women in these two protests? I would say the role of women and in particular, feminist women, those leaders, those rebellious women, did not start in 2018 when this amazing massive protest happened in Nicaragua, even before that, because these protests that happened in Nicaragua are the result of an ongoing pattern of abuse of power by the state. And the, the feminist women, where many of these, of these women were denouncing how the Ortega regimes was accumulating power and becoming a new dictatorship. They even warned the society about not electing someone like, like Daniel Ortega, who is a, a sexual abuser of women and girls, someone who, who has been denounced by, by different women, including his own stepdaughter for sexual abuse. And the women's movement were saying, we cannot elect men like that for public roles. And because of the arrangements among men in Nicaragua, powerful men, corrupt men, politicians. He was able to gain formal power. So in the 2018 protest, women were there, of course. Women were on the streets. They were leaders in the youth movement because the youth movement played an important role, important role in, in the social protest. Women were leader in the peasant movement. Actually, one of the main leaders of the women movement, she's living in exile because she was uh, the leader of the movement against the 
project of constructing a canal in Nicaragua before the protest. Women are right now in jail as political prisoners, along with other men. They have been killed. They have been living in exile. So it's this is really a, a popular movement made of all people, people, women, men, women, people from the cities, from the rural areas, youth, LGBTQI um, leaders and, and communities, all people really joining hands to challenge the repression. Although, of course, in the current moment, because of the increased repression, it has been difficult to maintain unity in the resistance. And I think in Colombia happened happened the same. I mean, it's it's like what we were saying at the beginning. It's just this patriarchal narrative that want to invisibilize the role of women in movement and in social change efforts. Thank you so much, Osvaldo, including for sharing your expertise and your views, for contextualizing these stories of resistance and, and fights against repression. I wish we had the time to speak further of what there is behind the 2018 uh, protests. And, uh, and I really like what you said about how obvious it is that women were there. Uh, because women have always been there. So thank you once again for discussing with us, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. Hey, break is over. You just listened to Asfalda Montoya. We hope you liked the episode. If so, listen to the other episodes of Sejura, and you can also check out our other podcast, Esiasi Shorsi, or The Political is Personal a dialogue from and through the Middle East and North African region. If you want more, join us on our social media. It's simply at Wilf. We look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>